You're listening to Monster of the Week with Timothy from ProDM, and this week we are back with part two in our five-part series on dragons. Apologies again for the long hiatus. I understand that this is only dragging things out. See, a nice, clean pun. You know, your dad would approve of that pun. You can find the dragons on page 86 of the 5th edition Monster Manual. And as with last episode, we are going to be covering two separate dragons today, one chromatic and one metallic. Last episode, we did the two lowest CR dragons, the white dragon and the brass dragon. And now we're stepping up about one point in CR to talk about the black dragon and the copper dragon. One additional reminder is that several years ago I did redesign their chromatic dragons for our Patreon, and I'm still pretty happy with them. I think they essentially hold up. So when we get to improvements, we're mostly going to be talking about the already redesigned black dragon. Spiteful and sadistic black dragons are portrayed as being sort of loathsome creatures consumed by their hate. They are definitely like the gross to the white dragons dumb. Black dragons are described as despising other creatures, especially civilizations, and they kind of revel in the overthrow of kings and nations. Uh, mechanically, they breathe acid and they dwell in swamps. Uh, they often sort of accrue, you know, groups of lizard folk or kobolds or even sometimes animate plants to be their servants and followers. The following traits are common to all black dragons. They have three types of movement. Obviously, they can walk, they can fly, and they have a swim speed. They have good saves, good decks, good con, good wisdom, good charisma. Uh, they are trained in perception and stealth. They are immune to acid. And they have blind sight, which increases the older they get. The Wormling is CR2, the Young Dragon is CR6, the Adult Dragon is CR14, and the Ancient is CR21. So just a little bit more powerful than a White Dragon. As far as actions, they have an Acid Breath, uh, they have the Amphibious Trait, which they can breathe air and water. Past Adult, they have Frightful Presence and Legendary Status, so they've got Legendary Resistance and three Legendary Actions. Uh, which includes the same three we've seen with every dragon, detect, tail attack, and wing attack. Pretty boring, but we've talked about that. And then as an ancient dragon, they have lair actions and regional effects. Their lair actions include like, grasping water that pulls and knocks characters prone. They have swarming insects that deal piercing damage, and they also have a globe of magical darkness. Their regional effects are kind of similar. They include sort of difficult terrain in the form of grasping plants. Uh, and they have, like, befouled water and obscuring fog. All pretty classic stuff. Nothing too exciting, but nothing too boring either, apart from those legendary actions. The Black Dragon does appear in the first edition Monster Manual, and again, very little is added here. Uh, no age categories or anything, but they do, once again, make a point of their, quote, Latin name, end quote. They are called Draco Causticus Sputum. Yeah, Causticus Sputum. Obviously, they mean, like, acid spewer, right? But sputum is a disgusting word that I hope never to say again. In 2nd edition, they expand this lore quite a bit, adding that sort of resentful kind of despoiler of civilizations angle. They also add that, like, humans are their preferred prey to hunt. In addition, they give them a, a pile of spell-like abilities, darkness, corrupt water, plant growth, summon insects, plus charm reptiles, which I really like. Uh, most of those, though, you'll recognize as showing up later as lair actions and things like that. Again, 5th edition really likes to pull 
pull a lot of its monster abilities from earlier editions, which in this case, I think basically works. They also make a weird point in second edition that they, in third edition, the Black Dragon is pretty much preserved from its second edition. It's got darkness, corrupt water, charm reptiles, all that stuff. They do make a specific point about how much treasure-wise they love coins specifically, which I think plays interestingly into their like hatred of civilizations, right? Especially because historically coins tend to have the faces of rulers minted on them. So I like the kind of confluence that they hate civilization and therefore they like to collect its coins to sort of show that they're meaningless, right? And that the treasure truly belongs to the dragon. It's kind of a nice little bit of flavor. 4E, of course, introduced the four age categories that we know today. And in addition to its cloud of darkness, uh, it also gives the black dragon a vitriolic spray and an acid gloom. Uh, which obscured and blinded and dealt acid damage. So again, 4E is always trying to make them a little bit fiercer in combat, and some of that's cool, but it's a little bit repetitive with other things we've seen before. Now, the things I like about the Black Dragon, I do think it has the weakest concept of the five chromatic dragons, but I, I do kind of like the anti-civilization angle. It really only comes in in fifth edition. There's like hints of it in earlier bits of the lore. They never really settle on the idea that they hate, you know, mortals and mankind and civilization until much later in its development. The notion of a monster that, like, despises humanity and all of its successes is cool. It has a very, like, Glaurung from, you know, the Silmarillion vibe, like this ancient, hateful worm. Unlike a lot of other chromatics that I think are kind of characterized by being lazy or greedy or something like that. I think there's something cool about tying a dragon specifically to a particular sort of base emotion, like hunger or fear or, you know, arrogance, that kind of thing. It also plays well with the idea of them sort of spoiling, right, like with from jealousy, like like they're kind of curdled with hate, which I think is an interesting vibe. The kind of skull-like visage is especially cool if you kind of pair it with the imagery that they talk about in the book about how like their skin kind of begins to dissolve away from all the acid, right? It doesn't harm them because they're immune to it, but they kind of end up looking more and more skeletal the older they get, which is just Iron Maiden as hell. We love it. I also always like their association with lizard folk. I feel like that's like a nice pairing. I like it when a particular color of dragon has a particular sort of associated, you know, uh, humanoid that sort of makes sense to see them in conjunction, right? Like kobolds kind of can go to any of them, but specifically lizard folk and black dragons have an association because they share a biome. And I think that's a cool point in their favor for sure. Now, I'm not going to bother you with all the things that I don't like about 5e's Black Dragon. We've talked about how I think 5e's dragon design basically sucks. So we're just going to go through the improvements that I made to make them cooler um, and make them play a lot more dramatically in your game. So not only can my Black Dragon's Breath Weapon deteriorate weapons and armor, like a, like an ooze or like a rust monster, if a Black Dragon's Breath Weapon reduces you to zero hit points, you are disintegrated, which I think feels a lot more like acid than just saying you take acid damage, which is basically meaningless to most characters unless they for some reason have acid resistance or acid immunity. As a defensive ability, I gave them Corrosive Blood. Basically, whenever you hit a Black Dragon with a melee attack, you take a small amount of acid damage, and once again, the weapon starts to corrode, right? So the idea that it's just hard to approach them, it's hard to fight them without damaging your gear, which again, you could argue are kind of like trappings of civilization, right? It's all about decay and entropy. I also bundled sort of a disease, sort of a like curse, uh, bundled in there with the, the higher level black dragon in its bite. Basically, if it bites you, you have to make a saving throw where you contract black thoughts, uh, which the idea there is it's sort of, again, kind of a glow rung, infecting the mind, 
element where it basically fills you with this hatred. It makes you increasingly more isolated from your companions, right? Encountering a black dragon should sow seeds of its malice in the party. Speaking of malice, I once again brought back the 3-4 recharge. Uh, instead of just the 5-6 on the breath weapon, when you roll your d6, if you get a 3 or a 4, you recharge another special ability. In this case, the Eye of Malice. Basically, it's a charm that forces a creature to move towards the dragon and attack in melee, right? You're sort of like filled with this hatred, not of the party necessarily, but of the dragon itself. Like, it is such a hateful creature that it inspires your own sort of like irrational hatred. I thought it'd be a fun power for drawing out a spellcaster, right? Like, you know, if you use it on the Barbarian, the Barbarian was going to move and, and fight you anyway. But if you can kind of uh, persuade the Wizard or the Cleric to come forward and fight you in melee, then they're really not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, kind of better targeted at a spellcaster. Though they would tend to have a higher wisdom save. In addition, I gave them three new legendary actions. I have Extinguish, which allows them to extinguish all non-magical light. Similar to the uh, Globe of Darkness, but adds a little bit of extra drama to it, right? Uh, they have like an ambush action where they can basically disengage and hide as a legendary action. And then an escape action, which makes them a lot more mobile, right? The idea is that they're a little bit more of an ambush predator appearing and disappearing, that you could combine the ambush and the escape together to make them kind of have hit and run tactics. I gave them two new lair actions. They have one that allows them to collapse the ceiling of their lair, which isn't the most dramatic, but I did like the kind of like broken ruin angle, right? If they're all about, you know, the collapse of civilization, then yeah, we got to get some rubble. We got to get some collapsing statues or columns in there, right? Especially if they tend to make their lairs in ancient temples and things like that. And I also gave them a quicksand power, which I know shows up in at least some of the metallic dragons, but at the time I didn't, and I feel like quicksand is pretty easily associated with a swamp. And then I also added some regional effects. There's a disease that spreads in the area. You know, it could be black thoughts or it could just be, you know, filth fever or something. But like the area around a black dragon's uh, lair is sort of like a, a plague land, right? Filthy with disease. And then again, another kind of psychological one that like hatred and mistrust and malice sort of festers in the hearts of the nearby populace, right? That any villages or communities in that area is sort of beset with this like plague of unkindness, which I feel like has a very fairy tale angle, right? That like the people harden their hearts or their hearts turn black or whatever it is. Yeah, and that's my redesign on the Black Dragon, just trying to play into the themes of, you know, collapse and decay and sort of like rot with their attacks and their abilities and their uh, effects. Next up, we're going to talk about the Copper Dragon, uh, the second of our two dragons in this uh, dragon episode. That'll be coming up next. Presented as tricksters and pranksters, Copper Dragons like to tell jokes, and they don't take kindly to anyone without a good sense of humor. Their environment is listed as hills, which feels pretty vague, but they are described as really liking bards and often entertaining guests in their lairs, but they do also make the point that they are the most likely to sort of lie or conceal information from player characters. They, just like the Black Dragon, they breathe acid, but they also have a slowing breath, which is particularly nasty because slow is a very, very mean effect. We'll talk about the breath later, but of them, I feel like slow is one of the nastiest ones. Depending on which age category they are, the following traits are common to all Copper Dragons. They have three forms of movement. They can obviously walk, they can fly, they also have a climb speed. Uh, they have good saves, dex, con, wisdom, and charisma. Uh, they are proficient in a lot of skills, history, deception, perception, and stealth. They are immune to acid, and they have an increasing range of blindsight. 
Uh, the wormling is CR1, the young is CR7, the adult is CR14, and the ancient is CR21. So roughly the same CRs as the black dragon with a little bit of variance. And once again, they have the two breath weapons, the acid breath and then the slow breath. Plus they have legendary resistance as well as frightful presence. Uh, and then they have the same garbage legendary actions as every other dragon. Uh, their lair actions include kind of spikes shooting up out of, the, out of the ground and grasping mud, which, again, is just kind of quicksand. It's weird that they would call it grasping mud and not quicksand. I don't know why mud is such a thing for them, especially if they live in the hills. Just very confused. The regional effects, though, are a lot more interesting. Like magical carvings of the dragon's face can appear within the region. Uh, tiny beasts like rodents and birds uh, can talk and specifically like sing the dragon's praises, which I thought was kind of cool. It's sort of like a PR angle. Uh, and then intelligent creatures within one mile find everything funny, which I think, again, I love that in, in that it, it plays into the psychology of the dragon. I think the regional effects are actually quite good, whereas the layer actions are a little bit eh, underwhelming. Just like the Black Dragon, they appear in the first edition of Monster Manual without much added to them. They do have a silly uh, Latin name, Draco Comes Stabuli, which I should have asked my classics major wife what that is trying to say, although I'm not sure. If somebody in the uh, listening to this speaks Latin, let me know. They also make the point that they are selfish, which I think is a good add. A second edition it furthers this, specifically calls them incorrigible pranksters, and also says that they're poor losers, which I think is yet another good add. Again, I like my chromatic dragons to be good intentioned, but a little bit out of touch, right? Or to have sort of fatal flaws, uh, to make them a little bit more interesting antagonistic forces. They do get some spell-like abilities in second edition. They get spider climb, neutralize poison, uh, stone shape, move earth, and wall of stone. I think playing into like a stone angle is interesting for a copper dragon, right? Obviously, there isn't all dragons kind of live underground, but giving them these kind of like earth bender powers was a better way to go than like, I don't know, mud? Like mud, I guess, has like an earth component, but they could have leaned into it more. I don't know. You know, saying they live in like canyons or something is better than hills. In 3.5, a lot of these powers persist, um, spread across the various age categories, but they do also make a point of their occasional conflict between copper and red dragons, because they supposedly have similar territories, but again, copper dragons live in, like, hills, and red dragons live in mountains and volcanoes, so they don't really seem to have similar territories, unless red dragons also live in hills. I feel like hills is just such a vague terrain. I gotta stop harping on these hills. We've talked about this before, but 4E really de-emphasized the metallic dragons. Uh, in this case, the copper appeared in Mon Monster Manual 2. They're described as being kind of miserly and selfish, which sort of plays into the kind of anti-red dragon angle. But there's no mention of them telling jokes or riddles, uh, which I think is a huge missed opportunity. And again, an example of 4E cleaving a little bit too much to the sort of combat ethos and not enough to the story. They do, though, make a point that they're specifically very aerial, which I think is a cool angle. They have flyby attack and wing attack, and they have the ability to shake off any effect that would limit their flight. So I think it's kind of a cool uh, add to make them sort of like specifically dragons that favor flying. Now for positives, I really like the idea of like a jokester kind of prankster dragon, but I don't feel in 5e it's particularly well executed. It's good in the lore, um, but it doesn't really like find its way into the mechanics at all, because again, 5e's dragons kind of blow. I do like that they're a little bit miserly, and they're described as, like, often lying about what treasures they have. There's a really good plot hook baked into their lore here. It says that basically a, a copper dragon might send a party out on a wild goose chase for an item. Like, if they come looking to the dragon for a particular item, the copper dragon might say, well, no, I don't have it, but I know where it is. 
and then they'll go running off to find it, only to discover it's not there, and when they return, the Copper Dragon had it all along, which I think is, like, a very fun, <laughs> like, troll plot point, right? I love that. I love what that says about the dragon, that he's just kind of in it for the lols. Again, as I said, the regional effects are also a highlight. They're very fun and very interesting. A little underwhelming, but they definitely play into the concept of the dragon, which I kind of think ultimately is more important in a metallic dragon, as you're much less likely to fight it. As far as negatives go, all 5e dragons suck and are boring to run, so let's just immediately slide into improvements. We'll cover this a little bit more in depth on the stream, but here's what I've got just kind of on a, on a base read. I would say some kind of an improvement to their bite attack. I think we could you know, model the Black Dragon's corrosive thing that we talked about before. If they both have acid, I don't think it's a problem for them to have similar uh, effects, right? I would replace their second breath weapon once again with a sacred word taught to them by Bahamut. Recharges on a 3-4, right? That way it kind of pairs with the other breath weapon and that it's, you know, the the original draconic word. It's like the true name of the of, of the word slow or whatever, right? That it's this kind of Skyrim, Fusroda type shit. I feel like there's a missing... Op they don't have a unique power necessarily beyond that. And I feel like illusions are the right goal here. I know we kind of play with illusions with the brass dragon. But the copper dragon really feels like something like mislead, right? Like making an illusory duplicate of itself. I feel like like you could absolutely have a lot of fun with the kind of illusionist dragon. And I feel like that's definitely the copper in the sense of the sort of like jokey prankster kind of like gnomish vibe. Uh, definitely some new legendary actions. I like the idea of, like, a, a vicious mockery-style power. If you want to play up, they're a little bit, like, cruel and callous and kind of mean-spirited. Um, I think something like that that deals psychic damage or kind of gets in the head of the enemy could be fun. I also feel like lair, lair actions definitely need some sprucing up. I think you could find a nice balance between the kind of, like, earth powers they're playing with here and also sort of almost like a mechanical trap angle. Like, it's hard to imagine the dragon actually, like, you know, building them themselves, but things like false walls and pit traps and, like, sliding walls and, you know, collapsing ceilings and, like, rather than sort of, like, crumbling like the Black Dragon if it's more intentionally placed. Like, again, if it's a trickster, right, I think the the Copper Dragon should be, like, outsmarting and outthinking its enemies rather than just outmuscling them. So I feel like you could get a lot of uh, play out of things like revolving walls and, you know, false floors and that kind of a thing, right? As far as regional effects, I think they're pretty good. I would maybe just add that, like, the uh, the dragon faces can speak, right? That it can tell jokes and it can converse with you outside of its lair, especially if it's more likely to lie or mislead. It seems like a good way to cut off a potential intruder, right, to sort of, like, harass them from a distance. Maybe even say that it can it can do its vicious mockery power from a distance through those faces, right? I think that, that could be kind of cool. So it's a little bit loose and sketchy, but we will cover that more on our streams on Thursdays. Come check us out. But with that, that is the end of our second Dragon episode. Thank you so much for listening. I've got one more guest episode that I really need to finish editing. They take so long. A big reason for the hiatus is how long those take. So if I can get my stuff together before next week, we'll be listening to that. But if not, it'll probably be The Drider, as we are finally coming to the end of our D-Monsters. Thank you for your patience through this very, very long section of the book. But until then, thank you for listening. Glad to be back. Sorry for the hiatus, but I just got a copper to it. And as always, happy adventuring. Ugh. I'm out of practice.
Monster of the Week is a ProDM production. You can follow us on Twitter at ProDMTimothy. If you like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Even $1 a month grants you access to the redesigned monsters that we discuss here on the show. You can find us at patreon.com slash ProDM. You can catch those monster redesigned streams Thursdays at 2 p.m. on our YouTube page. The music used in this episode was Rainbow Ride and Waves by Azure Flux, used under an attribution non-commercial share-alike Creative Commons license. Check out their work at azureflux.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.